0: Uh, Starting that, if you have not, perfect uh, for those of you that uh, are coming in late or have to leave early or for some reason miss this. uh, We are going to record this and keep this housed on the BNSME website uh, for everyone to access later. So um, without further ado, uh, hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm here with Keith Rosen, the CEO of Profit Builders, named one of the best leadership coaching organizations worldwide. Since 1989, Keith has coached over 3 million managers and salespeople on six continents and over 75 countries. He's the author of Own Your Day, Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions, the number one best-selling sales management coaching book on Amazon and Sales Leadership, which was named Amazon's 2018 Leadership Book of the Year. He was also named one of the most influential coaches by Inc Magazine and Fast Company. Keith, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. With that, I'll get started with my first question. In this current business environment, sales leaders are extremely busy, which can sometimes mean that coaching gets pushed down on their priority list. So how can sales managers manage their time effectively to ensure they make adequate time for coaching? Mm. Uh, How much time do we have, Mike, on that
1: question? So uh, I'll laser it for everyone. There's probably three or four levels of what we need to be mindful of, uh, because uh, if we look at what coaching is and if we're looking to transform our culture, our team and ourselves, uh, transformation includes not only what we do, but how we think and how we communicate. So, the first thing is we need to even the playing field. People say they don't have time for coaching. And then I'll ask them what your definition of coaching is. And they'll stop and they'll say, Well, I never really thought about that before. And of course, my response is, Well, then, how do you know if you have time for it? If you go around the room with managers in any organization, you'll find many different definitions, not right or wrong, good or bad, just different. And in order to create a holistic culture, we all need to align around coaching. So first thing I'd love to do in in terms of evening the playing field for everyone is rather than bore you with a long academic definition of coaching, we're going to give you a very simple one. Coaching is the art and language of creating new possibilities. Okay, so that means in every conversation you're having, and when I say every peer to peer, okay. Uh, manager to boss, manager to directs, directs to manager, salespeople to salespeople, peer to peer, salespeople to customers, that's how you develop a holistic coaching culture. So that's how you develop new possibilities. It gets very boring driving your own agenda. So that's the first part. Uh, The second part is, well, people, managers, I mean, I've been doing this 32 years, as Mike said, uh, I lost count of how many times managers would tell me, I don't have time for coaching. And I'll I'll ask them, well, and again, going back to the definition of coaching, help me understand more. And they'll say, well, it's so much easier to give the answer. Well, if you're a salesperson who gets promoted into management, uh chances are while you may have had onboarding and training for sales, didn't have it the same for your man as a manager. Kind of thrown right into that position. Now follow my line of thinking, which many of you are in that situation or have been. Okay, now we're now we're a manager. We've never been trained how to coach. What do we know? We know how to sell. So now, of course, the the uh, you know the eternal conundrum is, here's my salespeople, they're coming to me with a challenge. What do I say? Well, you know what? When I was in your role, this is how I handled it. So you should do it this way as well. That's not coaching. That's being the cheap problem solver and doing everyone else's job. And unfortunately, you cannot scale a dependency. You can't be one person's cheap problem solver or 10 if you uh, if you have 10 people on your team or 20 or 50. You can't scale that. The only thing you can scale is coaching because that's going to make your people, number one, more confident, number two, more critical thinkers, number three, they're going to be much better at self-assessing so that when they come to you, they're already going to have ideas on what they can do to achieve their results their their uh, need to come to you will diminish because they're able to self-assess. In other words, self-coach. So there's also your lesson on time management. So while this sounds great, okay, and I know you get this, and you're thinking, okay, well, wait a second, Keith, you know, I can give the answer and I'll give the answer the rest of that person's career, or I can coach them. But nah, he still didn't sell me that coaching doesn't take as long. Now I'm going to give you the strategy. And I'm probably going to take more time explaining the strategy than actually sharing it with you. Uh, Don't worry about writing this down. I'm going to share it with Mike, and he's going to make sure everyone here gets a copy of of any resources that I uh, mentioned. Number one, the 60-second coaching strategy. Okay, now, guys, I'm from New York. I talk fast. I'm going to purposely slow down and share with you a strategy that you can literally use in every conversation you're having throughout the day. Because you're having situations throughout the day, you're having people coming to you throughout the day, and then of course you have your one-on-ones, but I'm talking about the situational issues you're dealing with every day, okay? So now you have someone, one of your direct reports, if you were to kind of lay the landscape of what this looks like, one of your directs comes to you looking for help. And, of course, we've done a great job training them that if they need help, come to me and I'll do your job for you. Uh, so they come to you and they say, hey, boss, you know, Mike, you know, I really need your help on this on this issue. Now, we have, this is a defining moment. We can go down this path and give them the answer. And again, you're not helping developing them. You're just helping them be reliant on you. Or you can go down this path and use this strategy. And this is what it sounds like Hey, Mike, I'm happy to share my opinion with you. However, you're much closer to this situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So, what's your opinion? on how to move forward and resolve this. Now guys, if you were timing that, I believe it was under 20 seconds. So I should really change it. I'm being very conservative when I call it the 60 second coaching strategy. You can do that all day long. Think about it, let's break it down. They're coming to you looking for an answer. What's the first thing you say? Happy to provide my an ideas, my ideas for you. Great, I'm getting what I want. They already know that, okay? How Then you hit them with the however. However, you're much closer to this than I am, which is true, validating that. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. What does that do? Builds trust, builds confidence. Now, what's the billion dollar question? What's your opinion on how to resolve this, move forward, achieve this goal, fill in the blank? Now, the last part I want to drive home here is the word opinion. Coaching is a language. Sales is a language. Okay? Every word counts. If you say, what's the solution, answer, or process, they can be right or wrong. But when I share opinion, opinions are not right or wrong. Everyone has them. They just are whether it's your favorite place to visit, favorite food, favorite movie, opinions are not right or wrong. So when you ask someone what's your opinion on how to handle this, they can't hit you with the, I don't know, boss, tell me. But You don't have an opinion? Now you'll always get something. And then from there, the conversation will flow into a collaboration, which is, hey, let's walk through your ideas together so we can make sure we achieve the results you want. I'm going to
0: jump in on something. Love that. Uh, Something that I've read several times um, in your books, Uh, but you mentioned this uh, a couple of times. You refer to the chief problem solver. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you just explain what that means and why that's a problem being chief problem solver?
1: Well, as I was alluding to before, most of the managers are promoted because they were good salespeople. And of course, as a good salesperson, what do you want to do? You want to help people. And even coming from good intentions, when when their direct reports are coming to the manager, uh, every manager I've ever met wants a team of independent, accountable people. But every time our people come to us as leaders and we give the answer, We're setting the precedent that if you have a problem, come to me. So that's number one. Number two, if we give the answer and the solution we give doesn't work, well, then the coach or the direct comes back to us and say, hey, Mike, my hands are clean on this one. Okay. You know, um, not my fault. It's your fault. You told me what to do. So now we've successfully robbed people of very accountability we want to instill. And we need to relinquish our role of chief problem solver and honor the three principles of coaching. Number one, let your people do their job. That's why you hired them. Number two, let your people do their job. And number three, if you're feeling clairvoyant, yes, let your people do their job. Okay, that's why you hired them. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the word empower millions of times at this point. But if you ever stop to look at what the word means, Def- empower, define means to give strength or power to. It does, It is not defined as give the answer and guide people to your agenda. That's called manipulation. So, Mike, I hope
0: I answered that. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to take that um, a step further here. So um, in your book, Sales Leadership, um, you outline 15 toxic tactics that make coaching ineffective. What's the one that you see the most and how can our leaders avoid that?
1: I would probably say ooh, it's a it's a tie. It's a tie. Mike. It's a tie between. Coaching in your own image and being able to live in the present moment. If we take the second one, I know that one is hitting people right in the right in the gut because everyone on this call and I'm I'm not going to you know I'm the one who doesn't make assumptions. I guarantee is result driven. You can't help it. It's an occupational hazard. You have a target on your back. How could you not focus on the result and make your team focus on the result because you have goals to achieve? The problem is, if I was to get a little cerebral on you, what are the three points of time? Past, present, future. Where does the result live? In the future. Okay. What did I share with you before as a definition of coaching? the art and language of creating new possibilities. You cannot create new possibilities in the future. Creation happens in the moment. Active listening happens in the moment. Being able to seek to understand happens in the moment. Goals, expectations, quota, fear, assumptions they're all in the future and what we need to do is be mindful enough to find something whether it's a morning meditation a morning process ritual whatever you need to do to practice the self-care you need to be mindful of what it takes not to be victim of that but to be able to be present because the last time i checked this isn't our practice life And this impacts our personal life as well. As a matter of fact, there's no more line between our personal and professional life. It's just life. So this is the opportunity to redesign it the way we want. The question is, are you allowing everyone and everything to design your life
0: or are you taking control of it? And that's going to be your choice. So. So as we talk about those toxic traits there, um, you mentioned a couple, there was one that I fell victim to early in my career, and I know others here have, it's that directive coaching, Mm -hmm. just telling people what to do. So why is directive coaching not really coaching?
1: Yeah. So then I think that leads right into uh what what I was saying before is what is one of those the, the biggest management traps and, and again more of a human trap of being present because we're being pulled in so many directions, but more so um coaching in your own image, managing in your own image, what we talked about. Uh and that and to your point, I think we're saying the same thing two different ways. Uh managing in your own image is sort of like, well, someone comes to me, and it could even be a customer. Okay, it could be up here and, uh, you know, one of my ICs comes to me and asks me a question and, you know, I'm thinking again, well, I was in that person's role, so this is what worked for me, so this is what you should do. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm basically taking what I believe will work for them only because I'm assuming it worked for me and what we're doing now is we're building little autobots, little mini knees. And we're not honoring their individuality. So uh, that's where the 60-second sales coach can come in handy because the most important thing that managers need to realize, because this is where they get stuck is, well, Keith, are you telling me I just kill people with questions and, and, and I never get to leverage my wisdom? No, it's the order in which you do it. Most managers hear what's going on and bang. They go right to cheap problem-solving mode because they're like heat-seeking missiles that loves to solve problems. No, first understand what's going on, then get to root cause. Why is it going on? Then collaborate and create a new possibility. And that's when you can share your experiences because you know what they know, you know what they don't, and now you're filling in the gaps. And that's the most simplistic coaching strategy I could offer any manager. And I know you could all do that today, but it's going to just take some time to take a step back and consciously think of this. And it's habitual. I mean, after all, how long have you been a chief problem solver? Two years, five years, 10 years, 50 years. And all of a sudden you have a coach saying you got to turn that around. Just do me a favor for my recovering perfectionists out there. Give yourself a break. You're not going to become a master master coach in a week, maybe two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. I'm still learning and I've been doing this 32 years. Okay. Oh, and by the way, as I alluded to it, I'll be the first to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. Okay. So I don't, I don't suppose any control freak, recovering perfectionists out there today. Now that I can assume people are looking down. Oh no, no, not me, not me. Okay, just keep in mind, perfectionism will get in the way of you fostering deeper relationships with people, because you're either striving to
0: be perfect or you're honoring being human. So yes, perfectionist, right, right here. Uh, I don't know if I'm in recovery yet. I'm still working. Through it. Uh, so that trust um, you refer to in your books, the art of enrollment, um, building trust, setting intentions with with the team. So let's say, for example, you're a new leader and you want to share your vision, your message to your team uh, to encourage them, but they may not fully be on board yet. How do you embrace that art of enrollment to build that trust with your team,
1: I find most managers uh, are, are are coming from a really good place. They're coming from good intention, and uh, unfortunately, it's their communication that jams them up and actually creates the very problems they're looking to avoid. Okay, because what we say creates a reality. Okay, uh, if you look at typically what managers are good at doing, they're really good at sharing what's going on. Hey, this is what we're doing. We're rolling out a new CRM, or we're changing uh, territory, or changing your comp plan, or you know we have to let some people go, or or we're combining you know certain uh, departments. Which I'm sure is not happening in anybody's company now. Is my sarcasm translating? Okay, so you have change coming. How do you manage? Change. How do you manage whether it's good change, what might people might push back on, even coaching? How do you manage change? How do you, in essence, build the trust and the alignment for people to not only be, you know, say, okay, I guess I'll do it because it's my job and I want to keep it. But they come back to you and say, I get it now. I want to do it. And that's where Mike is alluding to is enrollment. Enrollment is the ability, if you look at the greatest leaders in the world, what were they really good at? They were really good at enrolling hundreds of thousands if not millions of people to follow their cause. And whether it was equality, diversity, uh, whether it was world peace, eradicating hunger, uh, spirituality, innovation, uh, these speakers were so powerful that it inspired hundreds of thousands and millions of people to wanna to be part of it because it was bigger than them. Now what we're doing is taking that macro idea and we're bringing it down to a shared vision, okay? So imagine this, imagine in my hand here, you have your business objectives, okay? Imagine here, you have each person's personal goals, Now, what would be possible if you were able to align each person's personal goals with business objectives so they now know, oh, if I do this at work, I get this at home? Because most managers are going to say, this is what we're doing. Direct report's response is, of course, why? Uh, And the manager says, because, well, that's what I've been told that we need to do. Or they could come to you and say, "Hey, uh, we're why are we doing this?" Okay, and now the manager could shift from, "Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it, and here's what's in it for you." Again, most simplistic framework and strategy you can use when you need to create alignment when you have to initiate a conversation you must always set positive intent or the conversation i promise you will blow up in your face because remember this little mantra that i have when intentions aren't clear people default to fear It's the human condition, okay? If I was your boss and sent you an email, and in that email subject line, it said, call me ASAP, okay? Now, I'm your boss. I send you that email. What's your first reaction? You're probably not going to say, my boss wants to tell me how awesome I am. You're probably going to freak out a little bit. What did I do wrong? Am I getting fired? Is someone being put on a pit? Are we losing a client? And then finally, you muster up the courage to call your manager. You know what they say? Hey, listen, I just wanted to personally reach out and say, I know you you guys were struggling in the beginning of the quarter, but you worked hard, your team worked hard, you turned it around. And I just wanted to take a second and acknowledge you that your efforts did not go unnoticed. So thank you. And you did not see that coming because we go to fear. And that's what your people do. Why do you think they're uh, uh, departmental silos? Because no one's explaining intention and what's in it for them. When you can go to your people and say, hey, this is what we're doing, but hey, here's why we're doing it. And here's the personal benefit. Now people are enrolled. Now they're connected because they know intention. And I can tell everyone now, and I know, listen, everyone here, I know your job is challenging enough. So let me make another thing easier for you. If you have to initiate any type of change and go through any type of change management initiative, and you are enrolling people in that, and you still experience pushback, and you're wondering why, it's one thing. You didn't enroll them, or you didn't enroll them effectively. And here's the really cool thing, and I'm sure many of you have heard the expression, You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. I'm going to call BS on that. You actually get a second chance to make a first impression. And the reason why is because you can always hit the reset button on a conversation. You can always go back. You can always say, hey, you know, I was reflecting on the conversation and I would love to uh, talk a little more about what we can do to reset that conversation so we can achieve the results we want. You can always reset that. And another thing, because you brought it up and I hate stepping over things is this applies to taking over a new team. Whether you're hiring a team, whether you're inheriting a team, whether you were the peer or a team lead and got promoted now, and now you're moving from a peer to their manager. Every one of those scenarios requires... You to take the initiative and sit down with your team and each person and reset the conversation of how they like to be managed, motivated, how they like to want to work together, how this is going to change the relationship, how they like to be coached. And and by the way, I have all these questions written down and yes, I will share them all with you because some of you are writing it really fast and I missed that question. Got that all for you. But if you don't set intention, how are you ever going to know how they like to be coached? And is it interesting, and I just want to plant this seed with everyone, some of you are probably thinking, you know, this can apply to my sales team. Yes, it can. You want to know why? Because the best sellers are coaching their customers to succeed.
0: So... So many points to pick to pick out of there. And I'm going to try to pick out a few. I just, I want to do two things. Number one, thank you for those that have uh, kept the uh, chat active. Uh, Lindsay, Jill, uh, appreciate that. Please keep it coming. As questions come about, uh, please put them in there. Um, you just mentioned how you like to be coached. And I'll say on a, on a personal note, I often inter- interview candidates. And that's one of the questions that I like to ask that how do you like to be coached how do you like to receive constructive feedback so along those along those lines with all the people that that you've coached in in your career, what are some of the core characteristics that you find that make a successful coach? Hmm, hmm. Uh, I uh, if I was to draw
1: a line between the bees, which is the go be, the inner game, and the go do, the outer game, the strategy, I would say that the greatest coaches coach from their heart, not from their head. Uh, In the beginning of coaching, if there are any of my uh, friends who play golf out there, uh, uh, you know that when you first learn how to play golf or any sport, you, you're you learning the same way, just like everyone else. And you're thinking about everything you need to do. Okay, if I'm playing golf, I need to space my legs out, bend my knees a little bit, make sure my, my head is down, which, by the way, I struggle with deeply. Uh, and you're thinking about all those things, and it's, it's all in your head, right? But eventually it becomes organic and it becomes natural. So I want you to consider those of you that are saying, I'm scared to coach. I don't think I'm ready to coach. I don't know if I'll be a good coach. Please don't put that pressure on yourself. You don't need to be a great coach to start coaching. You just need to start coaching to be a great coach. Your people will be very forgiving when you set intentions around what you're doing, because it's all in the in the spirit of wanting to make others successful so uh hope i hope i touched on that that answer
0: yes um thank you uh jason pearl adding the uh the coaching with your heart love it love it too um Great question. So, yeah, Michaela uh, is asking, can you expand on coaching your customers? So we've talked about from that, from that coach, from a leadership standpoint, what do you mean when you say coach your customers?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting. And I apologize, kind of alluding to that. And then I went off on it this way. Over the years, uh, especially over the last several years, you know, if, if you're still managing and and, and, and selling uh, the same way you were p- p- prior to the pandemic, you're setting yourself and your team and your company up for failure. Managers do not know how to, how to coach really on a good day, let alone now, how do I build a team, hire, develop, uh, and hold my team accountable and motivate them when I've never seen them because I had to build a remote team Whoever got trained in how to do that, there's some playbook for that. That's why. That's why we're talking, right, Mike? So you know, it's 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 something that I've noticed that when it comes to uh, really creating the type of culture that managers want amongst their team, uh, they're making a lot of assumptions that what you could do face to face, you can't do remotely, and 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 that's not true. As a matter of fact. Uh, we have more insight into people's lives today than we ever did before. So again, uh, going back to your point, you know, three years ago, uh, we're having not different conversations today with our customers, with our with our peers, uh, with our team, uh, with cross functional team coworkers, uh, and, and this is leading into what are these conversations? Well, when was the last time you had a conversation? Uh, with a customer, or with a direct, or with a, with a peer, uh, and some of the questions in that conversation sounded like this: "You know, Mike, I know we're all now working hybrid or fully remote, and 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 I know that's changed. You know how we live and operate, and uh, I know I struggle a little bit, and I'd love to talk to you about." Um, what we can do or what you're doing to really create that life balance. And maybe I could share some ideas with you. We could be open to that conversation. Guys, what did I just do? Enrollment. Okay. Pop quiz. So now I have this buying. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever, or have you ever asked questions like, so Mike, um, how do you turn off work at the end of the day? So you can be present with you and your family and loved ones. How do you set boundaries throughout the day so that you can be productive at work and also honor your personal priorities? How good are you at being consistent with self-care, whether that's spiritual, okay, whether that's, um, uh, uh, you know, uh reading the Bible every morning, whether that's whether that's uh, emotional, whether that's physical, um, what what are we doing? what are you doing to take care of yourself in all those areas? Uh, so we've never had those conversations only because no one's ever had those conversations with us. So now I'm tying all of this back because it all does go back to how does this lead into coaching customers? Many managers, the more we talk, you may have noticed that, well, wait a second, Keith, you're telling me, okay, I'm hearing a few things. Number one, I don't need to give everyone the answer. I could actually ask one question and coach them. Okay. Okay. Um, Number 2 I have to be present. I, that's that's really super important because I can't create the possibilities if I'm not present. Uh now uh if I'm if I'm coaching someone um how do I how do I get the most out of them whether it's remote uh or face to face. Uh one thing that I also want to make sure I share is make sure that Whatever you're doing, uh, and whatever conversations you're having, or if you're using any templates, share it with your coaches. That's going to create more trust and vulnerability, and be having them be open to coaching. Uh, Mike, I want to, I want to, and 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 to go back. Uh, there's always a manager that stops and says, "Wait a second, Pete. It sounds like." Co- coaching is really leading conversations with questions to seek to understand more and understand where the gap is so that I can fill in that gap, which is a very excellently simplistic definition of coaching. And then a man- the same manager would say, that's what I do. That's what my people do when they sell. They do discovery. They ask really good questions. They seek to understand where the customer is now and where they want to be. They try to understand what they've done, what they've tried in their point of view. Well, wait a second. Isn't that coaching? Yes. The only difference is we need to stay away from the manipulative manipulative, loaded leading questions. Okay. So, for example... Uh, I know when a manager is trying to manipulate someone, when they come to me and say, Keith, uh, I had a hard time coming up with the question that would guide the person to where I want them to be. That's not coaching. That's not creating any possibility. That's driving your own agenda. That's manipulation. No one likes to be manipulated. So uh managers think, no, I'm asking open open-ended questions and then i they'll share one with me, and then it will sound like, well, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Kochi, don't you think it would be a great idea to call procurement and see uh why they want two points off uh on the on this deal? And then the Kochi and the salesperson is thinking, I got this great idea. I'm gonna call procurement and see why they want two points off this deal. Wow, boss, I'm so glad you pulled it out of me. No, you just jedi non-tricked them. You just you just loaded that question with your answer because you wanted them to get that. And that's manipulation, okay? So if you really wanted to start trust, try to drive people to where you want to go. And you know what? That gets really old, doesn't it, guys? Doesn't it get really old every day, solving people's problems, and running around, putting out fires? You know what's fun? When you wake up in the morning and know, I get to make people more valuable every day rather than put out fires. When you wake up and you're happy about going to work, you're coaching.
0: So, Keith, you, you mentioned before the um, the language, the art of coaching language in there. And uh, Jen asked a question that uh, Alex echoed in here. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, leaders coaching their team. You talked about uh, salespeople coaching their customers, what happens when that's a peer-to-peer or the driver of that conversation being someone that is looking to drive the coaching conversation either with their peer or with their boss? Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems like that gets a little bit stickier mm-hmm. when you're leading the conversation to say, hey, I really want to be coached this way or I want to help drive this uh, this conversation. Mm-hmm. Talk to that stickiness in there, in that peer-to-peer or uh, conversation up to your leader or boss. Sure. Let's start
1: with coaching moment number one. Um, for those of you that are thinking, wow, that might, that's could be tough having a tough conversation, you know, going trying to coach up or coach to a peer or even someone else cross-departmentally. Uh that that that's that's gonna be tough. First question to everyone, have you tried it? Second question to everyone, then how do you know it's going to work or not? Third observation for everyone, you made assumptions. One of the greatest traps of, of toxic coaching. So back, back to what's really going to destroy coaching and conversations are the assumptions we make about people, processes, ourselves, our clients. Those assumptions destroy everything, okay? Especially trust. So, uh Again, you know, in in, in terms of uh, uh, coaching and, and trying to get, uh, you know, to your point, Mike, uh, the, the most out of people, uh, I think a lot of that also bleeds into uh, uncovering their core values and motivators. But I want to put that aside for a second. I want to go back to your core question, make sure I answer that.
0: So the um, Jenna, I, I can see you on screen. I'll give you, since you asked the question, give you the opportunity to nod, thumbs up, or thumbs down. Uh, but you and I have personally had conversations like this before. Um, so I, I'll add on a step to the to, to give you an opportunity to expand on this. So what happens when people are resistant? To coaching or resistant to that type of conversation, that you're going in with the best intentions. You're looking to open up that uh, that language and that communication, but they're resistant, they're pushing back on you.
1: Okay. So I shared with you the three issues right there. The biggest one is that I'm going to assume this is going to be hard. Well, it's not hard if you have the right language, and it's not hard if you're coming from the right place. So coaching up does not have to be difficult. Asking for ha- um uh or initiating a conversation with your manager on how you like to be coached, managed, supported, motivated, okay? And say, listen, I wanna know these things and I also wanna make sure that I'm focused on the right priorities to, uh, that are aligned with the company. So can we have that conversation? I don't think there's a manager out there that doesn't wanna have that conversation. You just coached up, but the manager saw what's in it for, that for him or her and and the company, Uh, coaching laterally, peer-to-peer, okay? That actually is something uh, that's twofold uh, that I want to touch on, uh, is number one uh, is uh, if you launch, when I say you, I'm talking about the universal you, if you launch a coaching initiative, what will make it stick is peer-to-peer coaching. So anytime I deliver my leadership coach training program, I always pair up uh, peers and they're working together every week. And what do you think they're doing? Well, number one, they're coaching each other. They're delivering coaching. So they're practicing it. They're getting good coaching. They're giving good coaching. They're modeling the fact that they're getting coaching for their team. It's a peer accountability partner. So each peer holds each other accountable for their commitments. And this is something that continues. And just like sports and every great athlete, they got a coach on the sidelines. So, how else are we going to, you know, ask yourself, look in the mirror, uh, how do you grow? What do you personally do to grow? And a lot of people will say, oh, Keith, yeah, I read a lot of books. Great, but you can't ask a book a question. A book can't hold you accountable. And a book, and I'll be the first to say as an author, you know, unfortunately, you can't speak to the individual, you have to speak to the mass. So what else are you doing to hold you accountable, to grow as a leader? If you don't have an outside coach, which by the way, you can have both, find that peer that you can work with and don't make the assumption that, oh, but wait a second, that person's in marketing and I'm in operations, how can I work with them? They're not in my role. I guarantee those are the conversations you'll have the biggest breakthroughs with, because you don't have the answer. And all you have is the question. Because I'm not an expert in your businesses. Okay. I'm an expert in coaching. So when I'm coaching my clients, all I have are my skills, my expertise, and questions. So think about it counterintuitively. If you've been doing what you've been doing so long, you're probably not asking the right questions. Because you fill them in with
0: assumptions. So we've spent a lot of time talking about coaching, about about leadership, and I'm going to give. Uh, we're about 15 minutes away from being done. So uh, any additional questions, please put those in, in the chat. Uh, but we've talked about things that you mentioned in coaching salespeople into sales champions. We talked about uh, sales leadership. I'm going to go in the wayback machine to uh, to own your day, where I where I started. Uh, with you, is um, what does it mean to own your day? And in the context of where we started the conversation today, that um, all the distractions, all the priorities, all the unplanned things that come up throughout the course of our of our day, they cause time, they cause stress, they wa- they waste time. So, in the context of own your day, what does it mean? How do you eliminate some of those things? Okay, I'll do my best. Mike, cut me
1: off if I'm going too fast, too long, okay? Uh, What people don't realize when it comes to time management or life mastery is that the root cause is not time management. It's priority management. And that's where we struggle with because everything is a priority to us and to everyone else. So if you take that, And we need to manage priorities now. Follow me on this. You're all smart people. You know where I'm coming now. Okay. Well, if we have to communicate our priorities, we have to set boundaries. So wait a second. Time and life mastery isn't just opening up your calendar and putting time blocks in. Time and life mastery, number one, strategy. Time blocks. What does your calendar look like? Number two, okay, mindset. Is an interesting question. What's your relationship with time? Is it your adversary or your ally? And finally, third pillar, number three, language. The language of time management. For example, oh Keith, you know, I, I you know I'm working so hard, and but you know, I keep getting calls from all my, my my team, and I keep answering, I keep getting distracted uh and interrupted. Uh well, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you? always get distracted and interrupted whether it's by an internal customer or an external customer. So what do you need to do? Well, Keith, I need to set a boundary. Okay, well, how good are you at saying no? Hmm, well, that's a nice, that's a good question, right, to ask yourself. Uh, and I'm not saying running around saying no to everyone. I'm talking about setting boundaries. The language of time management is, it's about, oh, I have to set a boundary. Well, if you have to set a boundary, that means you have to communicate that boundary, i.e., What does that sound like? So when we talk about owning your day, uh, these are the pillars that we all need to be mindful of. And I'll just share the last one real quick. And again, I will send this to everyone is, okay, Keith, great. So I get these distractions all the time. What what am I supposed to do? Just say, no, I'll I'll deal with it later. Again, go back to enrollment. Okay. How are you going to create buying? What if it sounds like this? Hey, listen, you know what, Jill, uh, I, uh, I'm i finishing this email. Uh, I got to get it out to the client in the next hour. Uh, I really, really want to give uh, our conversation the time and the attention it deserves. And I don't want to rush through it for you. So is this something that requires immediate attention and must be handled right now? Or can it just wait until I finish this email and then we'll have enough time to, to devote to your conversation so we can see it through together. Now, come on. Most people are going to say, "What? of course, I'll wait so you can give me the time I need. Now, that's setting a boundary. You just said no. And you were able to do it in a supportive, empowering way. Now, here's the coolest benefit if you haven't followed through with, with, with the next value of doing this is by the time you connect with them later, what might happen? They solve the problem themselves. Crazy, they actually can solve their own challenges.
0: Uh, This question came up, thank you very much for that. I I appreciate that. And for those that I could see on camera, I saw a lot of um, smiling and head nodding on that. (laughs) Uh, Nicole asked a question that you touched on before, uh, but I'll um, I'll give you the opportunity just to briefly touch on this a, li- a little bit more in detail um, the situation of coming in as a new leader uh, to an existing team mm. uh, give us a couple more tips on that
1: yeah yeah so uh, again think about it you're coming in to an existing team they don't know you okay you don't know them Assumptions are running rampant. They're making assumptions about you. You're making assumptions about them. And right off the bat, assumptions, as I said before, are the root cause of all evil. Because we base them on experiences rather than facts. So how do we eradicate assumptions? We need to validate them. How do you validate something? something by having a conversation and asking questions. So if you're a new manager that's taking over a new team, number one, that can be intimidating as much as it could be exciting. So, you know, allow yourself to experience that. Number two, the exciting part is you now have the power to go and enroll them. And that's the exciting thing. You can create a new culture with your people because hear me when I say this, because here's the problem. If you don't do this, if you do not set intention and please let me give you just the steps here. Step number one, quick enrollment of the entire team, setting intention of wanting to learn about them, who they are and, and, and how you can best support them. Quick enrollment of entire team. And then one-on-one with each person. As I said before, I'm sending you a template of how to enroll people in coaching, and what are the questions that are going to create that alignment? So you're getting that template from me, all right? Um, in terms of getting back to uh, the time management piece, uh, is that
0: where we are? Mike, still with the time? At, still time management? Um, I think you answered those two questions talking about owning the day, time management. I wanted to get to uh, Nicole's question, uh, being the uh, the new. A boss and existing team and in the essence of time um, i'll give everyone another minute or two if there's anything else you want to add into uh into the chat as a question uh, so on a personal note uh you have over your left shoulder a guitar that appears to have several autographs on there we cannot go anymore without you talking about those i'll take the camera off and show you so uh uh uh,
1: for those of you, I don't know if you see my other videos. Um, I I play music, uh, uh, and and uh, I have a detached studio over here, uh, which my wife is very happy about because she can't hear us play. Uh, and uh, I'm really really into uh, the classic rock. You know, pretty much every genre I appreciate, but kind of stick of the classic rock, grunge, Dead Fish, uh, Stones, Van Halen, Eric Clapton. You know, all these all these horrible bands, right? So in any case, uh, this this guitar here is special because it's been signed by several uh, of the bands that I met and were able to spend some time with. Uh, you may have heard of um, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, you may have heard of The Black Crows, uh, Everclear, and Collective Soul. Uh, so if, if you haven't, I strongly suggest. I suggest you go uh on Spotify or on radio and download them. Uh chances are they're and I'm the last person to ever say this stuff, but there's probably an age gap there of oh, Keith, what are you talking about? And my friends here are like, Yeah, grunge, Pearl Jam, let's go, Nirvana, let's got the real, you know, bands coming out. So that that's a little bit about my guitar, Mike. Uh hopefully it. In answer to your question i do take requests so <laughs> uh, i do want to know mike before before we jump in i i do want to just say one thing um uh and I, I will send this template as well uh to go back when you're inheriting a new team and it's enrollment and again if managers say, hey, keep this enrollment it's hard no it's not what does your heart say and when i say that to a manager you know what they say they say Keith, what I really want for my team is, first of all, to really get to know them and understand who they are, and understand how they like to be managed, and how I can be a resource and share with them more about me and uh, so we can, what it means for us to create a value relationship, and you know have have the questions to be able to ask. That's what I really want for them. Well, congratulations! You just created your enrollment statement right there. Okay. That's what you do approaching your people. And again, I have that template for you, but it's just about hitting a reset button. And the reason why you must do this is because if you are inheriting a team, they are taking their last manager's face and they're putting it on you. And if they had a bad experience with their prior manager, what assumptions do you think they're gonna make about you? And the only way to shatter that is by hitting the reset button and enrolling them. So I wanted to make sure I delivered on that last question.
0: Uh, So um, in the essence of time, I'm gonna take one more um, and uh, Alex came first on this, but if you could give us just a quick example of whether that is from peer to peer, whether that's with a customer, when you're asked a question and you truly don't know the answer, how do you best, acknowledge the question acknowledge the time that someone's taking but to say hey i don't know but you could trust me that i'm going to deliver on this information okay
1: i need a little more background on this uh who who are the people involved uh in the conversation is this a peter, peter? is this a you know salesperson a, a client
0: customer hmm. without the context i'll say get yeah, what, guy, what kind of coach would i be right uh, let's let's work under the bad word assumption um that uh, that it's a customer facing conversation
1: okay okay uh so this is a customer facing conversation and the customer says to the salesperson
0: yes uh says um hey i have a question about this salesperson says i don't know but i want to get that back get that back to you without Exposing a certain weakness, I'll say, Mm -hmm. but um, delivering on the trust that, hey, I don't know, but I'll get you that information. What's In 30 seconds, what's the best way to handle that?
1: My visceral reaction uh, is that, uh, and I hate to use absolutes, but there's not a team I've ever worked with leadership and sales where there aren't tons of gaps in their processes, especially in their qualifying processes, because this is where the coaching comes in. Uh, you can give your salespeople a list of questions to ask and they have no clue what to do with the responses or how to go deeper. So in that situation, what I would want to know is when, uh, that, when that customer says that, I'd want to know a few other things. Uh, number one, uh, in that situation, I'd want to know why is that important to you? Number one. Second question I would add, how much do you already know about in the blank. That's an assumptive question. If there's one question you want to ask in every conversation, ask people what assumptions, if any, neutralize the question, might you be making around us, our company, the industry, the ROI, because people are making assumptions. Some good's mostly bad, but I guarantee you'll always get an answer, and that can be the root cause. Because after all, if you're speaking to a prospect and you don't ask that question, what do you already know about us? What if their last experience or what they heard uh, from their their peers or colleagues was, you know, be careful with that company? If you don't approach that, you're already DOA before you even get started with the sales process.
0: Thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate that, uh, Alex, uh, which I will say the next part here is that um, because we're at time, and Keith, it would be an honor to spend six more hours having a conversation uh, like this. You and I have spoken offline several times, and that is never a two minute conversation. (laughs) Uh, I know the one question that's going to come up, we're already prepared for it, is how our audience can best uh, connect with you. Uh, We'll share all that information right now.
1: Yeah, uh, to connect, listen, make sure everyone, uh, you connect with me on Twitter, but definitely on LinkedIn. I'm always posting uh, unique content on my LinkedIn, uh, as well as my blog, Uh, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm also always sharing different resources as well. So uh, please make sure you reach out there, so we can be connected there, and uh, you can stay on top of whatever new resources or or new uh, LinkedIn Live uh, uh, sessions I'll be doing uh, as well. Uh, and of course, um, in terms of uh, reaching out to me personally, uh, whether it's LinkedIn, let me let me also give you my my email address. My personal email uh, is kr my initials. At KeithRosen.com. And my mobile number is 516-231-2774. So uh for those of you who are thinking, why would he give our his email and his mobile? It's because if I'm a coach, my commitment is unconditional to you. So like it or not, I'm your coach for life and realize if you need anyone, I'm always a resource for you. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And just remember, everyone, as it says here, people create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture and culture determines success. And that is why the primary business objective is to make your people and your customers more valuable
0: every day. Keith, it has been an honor. I, I would love to continue the conversation. Thank you uh, very much. Uh, just as an order of uh, BNSME business, uh, just want to share with everyone the uh the upcoming events on October 18th, uh Wednesday, uh breakfast with BNSME virtual networking every third Wednesday. Uh October 30th, the monthly uh dinner is our Progressive Networking Dinner at Pearl Street. That is always a great experience. We love the ability to do that. Uh, have gotten great feedback over the years from that. And then next month, our monthly uh, monthly programming features Jason Pearl, Maker Consulting. That is at Hofbrau House in downtown Buffalo. All this information uh, is housed on the BNSME events page. Keith, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Wish everyone a great day.
1: And you know what, Mike? I almost forgot. I have a special offer for everyone here. Only only for the people here. If anyone is interested in personal coaching or working with your team, reach out to me. I'm here to chat about it with you. So just want to be a resource again. Everyone just remember the ABCs of leadership.
0: Always be coaching. (laughs) Thanks, Keith. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today.